Welcome to the second episode of the RMD podcast from Reverse Mortgage Daily. I'm Chris Clow, editor of RMD. For our second episode, I had the privilege of interviewing Brian D. Montgomery, the current commissioner of the Federal Housing Administration and the acting deputy secretary of the Department of Housing and Urban Development, while in attendance at the National Reverse Mortgage Lenders Association's Eastern Regional Meeting in New York City. Commissioner Montgomery has years of government experience under multiple presidents in both political parties and is largely considered a friend to the home equity conversion mortgage program by those within the industry. Why exactly is that, though? That's one of the topics that my conversation with the commissioner touches on, as well as his perspective on the overall health of the HECM program so far in 2019, whether or not the second appraisal rule is having its intended effect, what the increasing prevalence of proprietary products could mean for the industry at large, and more. Well, again, really appreciate it. We've wanted to talk to you for a long time. Yeah. I understand. I'm a relatively new addition to covering the, the Heckam space. It's a very passionate group of people, as I'm sure you would agree. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Well, first one, and you touched on it a little bit, but I wouldn't mind getting a little more original perspective just about the health of the program. Just love to know your perspective on the health of the program so far in the year and particularly how do you think FHA will accomplish the review of the program that the president asked for back in sure. March? So I'll address that one first. So president signed the memorandum on housing finance reform on March 27th. Recite it back to you, but part of what's in there includes some charges under the HECM program, some mm-hmm. tasks for us, some of which we've obviously been working on. Because one of the things we want to do, in addition to bringing back more private capital, is also I call it de-risking the portfolio in ways that still allows us to certainly do our do our mission. So, as I articulated a minute ago, a lot of those efforts we've been working on the last two fiscal years, and certainly the administration before us as well. Mm-hmm. So that work continues. Our timeline to get something out on housing finance reform is sometime in this summer, probably late summer. We'll have some proposals in there on the forward and the reverse book, and not just for FHA and Jenny May, but obviously some for the GSEs, mm-hmm. uh, some that can be done administratively, and others that will require legislation. So we'll see how Congress reacts to that going forward. In terms of the performance of the HECM book, it wasn't that long ago, three, four years ago, and then MMI funded the HECM portfolio carried the forward portfolio over the finish line, if you will. That hasn't been the case the last three years, at least. And so there are you know, a lot of reasons for that. The appraisal inflation turned out was a serious contributor to the current economic value. If you think about it, if you have a highly inflated appraisal on the front end, you're already in a hole, if you will, especially in a housing market that doesn't have home price appreciation. And then you kind of feel it on the back end, too, because you know, a lot of seniors aren't using the, the money to put in granite countertops and, and do additions. And, you know, as you get older, it gets a little more difficult to take care of the house. So we were feeling it on the front end, on the back end, and we think it had a huge impact or negative economic value. The changes of the PLF, the MIP increases in some instances, coupled with the appraisal program, the appraisal modification program, appear to be having a, a positive effect. Now, that doesn't mean we're completely out of the woods, so to speak. Sure. But from a snapshot in time perspective, it appears we have about a $3 billion positive swing for the economic value of the portfolio. Mm-hmm. Again, that's a, I caution that's a snapshot in time, sure. but a good one. <laughs> 
And we've been modeling some of the cohorts around some of the previous changes and REMSA and other things. And peers, the 2014 through 2017 HECM cohorts, by themselves have a positive economic value today. So I'll always take good news. Again, I'm cautiously optimistic, but it appears so far, knock on wood, that the changes made in 2017 and 2018 appear to generally be heading us in a better direction. Great. Glad to hear it. Well, something that often comes up when I have conversations with everybody from originators to the heads of companies is the second appraisal rule. Is it having its intended impact, and is it likely to see any changes in the future? Sure. So prior to me getting there, the the working group had looked at this issue, uh, but when we began what I affectionately refer to as a triage, where we would meet in my conference room for hours on end, triaging the forward and the reverse book, we invited some folks from our Office of Policy and Development and Research to participate as well. They have economists, PhD economists, researchers. They're a wealth of information for the HUD offices and support us in numerous ways. And a gentleman who was attending the meeting with us, I I didn't really know him well, but I could tell he was acutely interested on the issue of appraisals and appraisal inflation. So we started really sort of peeling the onion back, if you will, Mm -hmm. and just looking at, you know, just doing some sampling of, of loans done then using historical ABM data, it appeared to be much bigger problem than we thought. Mm-hmm. Well, this gentleman from the Office of Policy Development Research, turns out he wrote a paper on appraisal inflation in the FHA program, including reverse mortgages. Oh, wow. So when I found out about that, I said, well, I'm just curious, you know, was the, when was the paper done, 2010 or something? They said, no, it was done in 2017. I went, really? <laughs> <laughs> So we got lucky there. Another place we got lucky was when we determined we were going to start running appraisals against our ABM. We had an existing contract with a contractor, ABM contractor that does other things, Mm -hmm. that helps us in our uh, portal, appraisal portal. And it had the ability to run ABMs against X number of appraisals. And automated valuation models, and it was you know a number that was well enough to encompass the Heckam volume. So that in quick time, I mean, we did all this in a matter of two or three months, and working closely with the office management and budget staff. And again, we wanted to stave off further cuts to the principal limit factor and increases in the premium. Those are our guiding principles. And OMB was very open minded, and we had some full throated discussions, sometimes debates with them. And the other day, they accepted our appraisal mitigation as an option, as a viable option to not, or rather to stave off further cuts to the PLF mm-hmm. or premium increases. So it went into effect quickly because, you know, even though the Congress doesn't always pass budgets on time to start each fiscal year, <laughs> the assumptions made in every government program have to go into effect. You have to have something to use as a guide for that fiscal year. So all of those go into effect. We estimated that probably 25 to 30% of appraisals coming in would require a second appraisal. We obviously have a a threshold that we don't reveal. (laughs) But the number has been a little less than that. It's been hovering around 20 to 22%. And I think some existing HECM lenders are using ABMs as well, Mm -hmm. which is good between them and us. I think we all want something that represents what the true value of the of the product is. Absolutely. In this case, the home. And again, just to be clear, while the appraisal inflation 
was extremely high in 08, 09, and 10. It had come down, if you look at the study, it had come down considerably in more recent years as low as 4 to 8%, but it hadn't been eliminated. And it was just eliminating it altogether or getting close to zero, 1%. I don't know if you could, you know, let's face it, appraisal is an opinion of value, right? And ABMs are built on a lot of different data variables, including comparable sales, if you will. But it has come down considerably. And again, our goal was to try to eliminate it as best we could. Right. So again, directionally, it seems to be having its intended result, which is good mm-hmm. for the long-term viability of the program. As to continuing it, you know, OMB and OIRA wanted us to give it a fresh look at the end of each fiscal year. So we're doing that right now, and we'll determine at some point whether or not we'll, uh, we'll continue using it. I would say we're going to certainly continue using it to the end of this fiscal year, September 30, but we'll know before then uh, what we intend to do for the next, next fiscal year. Great. Thank you. I wanted to get your perspective on an aspect of the proprietary market. Is FHA encouraged by the influx of private reverse mortgage activity over the last 6 to 12 months? And would you say there's a certain proportion of private versus FHA reverse mortgages that you see as a healthy balance for the market? Well, we haven't seen many proprietary products. There are some out. Mm -hmm. Not as familiar with them as obviously the groups that created them. I know Financial America Reverse, I understand they've got a suite of proprietary products. In fact, someone said I think they even had a presentation here. They did, yes. And look, so I I represent the U.S. government, right? We have the forward book and the reverse book. Now, there are a lot of options on the forward book. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But on the reverse mortgage, we've been almost the only game in town for some time. When I had this job before, when the loan limits were considerably lower than they are now, I think the environment was more conducive to proprietary products. And once the FHA loan limits were increased following the Housing and Economic Recovery Act in 2008, and then ultimately when they were rose up to a $625,000 nationwide limit, that probably pretty much crowded out a lot of the Heckam products, sure. proprietary Heckam products. But as home prices came back, and certainly in other parts of the country, and in California, New York, and elsewhere... I think it's helped kind of given way to an increase in proprietary products, which we, which we think is great for the yeah. Huckam, for the reverse mortgage program. It's not written or ordained that the U.S. government should be 100% of, this, of the program. Sure. Quite frankly, I think, you know, I couldn't tell you what the exact percentage is, but it strikes me that there's some number below 100%. <laughs> and I know it's a little below that now because there are some proprietary products uh, available today. So... You know, I would encourage the um, industry to continue to develop those. And for our part, we're going to help do what we can to ensure the long-term viability of, of the product. I think it's a great alternative for seniors. It's not for everyone, but it's served a lot of them through the years. And we just want to make sure we, we have it available for the long term. Absolutely. Well, big one, too, that I want to ask you about is potential program changes. Do you see the program as having a stable position presently, or can the industry expect additional changes this year, and could there be any hints as to what those changes might look like if they're on the table? Yeah, well, well, part of what, you know, the last two years, and even in the administration before us, you know, this annual ritual of what's going to be the principal limit factor, what are going to be the premiums, we know that that's not easy on the industry. Right. We know that it's, you know, if you're to do something like that on the forward side of the book, you know, I could only imagine the the groans I would hear. So, again, I appreciate the resiliency of the industry, and, and they know what we have to do every year. 
So we're in the process, actually our triage never really ends, to be brutally honest. But we're in the process of doing the modeling, running the actuarial tables, looking at claims. I mean, being able to clear out that claims backlog, as I've said before, you know, we trained 100 HUD staff to learn how to do these claims. We could clear out that backlog, which, which we did earlier this year and then during the shutdown. It built up again, and then we brought it back down again. So knock on wood, we're, we're caught up right now. Uh, but that's not been been helpful either, sure. recognizing it takes forever to get these claims processed. I know it's put considerable strain on a lot of HECM servicers. So it's too early to say where we are in the process. Like I said, it's ongoing, and I think we'll have a better idea. We're, you know, in mid-May. I think we'll have a better idea probably in two months, you know, what direction we're going to have to go. I'm sure the industry would welcome a, you know, I'll call it a return to normalcy, <laughs> And again, we're going to do our best to uh, stave off any further cuts to the principal limit factor and, and stave off any potential premium increases. But today is just too early to, to make that, that judgment call. Oh, sure. But we'll see where that takes us in the next few months. Absolutely. Great. Thank you for that. Yeah. Last question. I've heard a lot about people really believe that you are a friend to this program. And I kind of wanted to, to know the source of that just because I I don't know if I've heard you actually talk about it directly on the record before. So you've spoken positively in the past about your, your general perspectives on it, but where do your positive feelings on Heckam come from? Yeah, that's an extremely good question. I'm not so sure anybody's ever asked me that. But I think it's you know, part of being FHA commissioner is I have, I have a lot of programs dedicated to extremely low income families, whether it's project-based rental assistance, uh, the Housing Choice Voucher Program, the Section 202 Program, which is designed to help frail elderly, mostly females, and the Section 811 Program, which helps persons with disabilities. All told, those programs help four and a half million families. So I think part of seeing that, that visibility into serving those cohorts who many of them were never homeowners, many of them will never be homeowners. I think, look, there's a government product that sort of takes the baths of the private sector and the public sector. It's a product offered through, you know, private, you know, or publicly traded corporations. The borrower pays for the assistance, if you will, through premiums. The government's there to help provide the product. Not only, I think, is that a good construct, but one that helps seniors do what they all want to do and age in place as long as they can, I think is good for our economy and good to help seniors do what they want to do. That said, obviously, it's suffered from a lot of ripple, if you will, from the housing market collapse, mm-hmm. which you know just evaporated home price appreciation in many markets, including many markets where heckums were prevalent. Even though reverse mortgages had absolutely nothing to do with the housing market collapse, nor did FHA, we nonetheless felt the sting of the of the, you know, the extreme drop in home prices. Many cases, you know, for Heckam products, you know, that were taken out originally when the homeless value was way up here, and a couple of years later, in some cases even less, mm-hmm. the values dropped 30, 40, 50 percent. So, coupled with all the other issues, you know, it's we got to a place where we didn't necessarily want to be. But again, improvements made the last administration on, on into this administration had put it on firmer footing. Look, I do care about the product. Again, it's not for every senior and for every circumstance. I think it's important that seniors, through housing counseling, that in many cases is provided through our network. Mm-hmm. It's important they know all the you know the pros and cons of the product. 
And quite frankly, it's important that the adult children of seniors understand that as well. You're, you're younger than I am, and I'm sure at some point you're going to have that discussion with your parents about mom and dad, how do you want to live out your years? And as you're you know looking through your retirement planning, why shouldn't you be able to tap into the equity that you've built in your home? And, and I think the industry also has done its part in terms of some of the advertising, marketing of the program, mm-hmm. which I think has maybe had some more appeal to some of the older children of senior citizens. You know, some of the, the pitchmen, you know, were people had different opinions about them, we'll, we'll say. Right, yeah. Sort of a, you know, a gamut of former Hollywood actors. But it sort of kind of got caught with that, with that stigma, if you will, good or fairly or unfairly. But so I think they've made some deliberate turns in the industry uh, in terms of their marketing and using some focus groups help determine how best to market to seniors. Again, the resiliency of the the proprietary product, I think, will show that. So, look, the Congress passed the law that created the product. Uh, We're in charge with providing it. We'll continue to do that while making sure we ensure its long-term viability. And hopefully it'll be around for years and years and years. And seniors, as you heard by statistics, there's there's a lot of them out there, and the numbers aren't shrinking. Right. That they'll understand, well, maybe I should look at this product, the reverse mortgage product, and it's insured by the U.S. government and uh, allows me to age in place. And I, I think as more seniors become aware of that, and certainly the adult children of seniors, I think that'll be a good future for the product, whether it's just us or proprietary products or both. Great. Well, Commissioner, thank you so sure. much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the RMD Podcast. A special thanks to Commissioner Montgomery and to Brian Sullivan at HUD for making this interview possible. For more news and insights on the reverse mortgage industry, be sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at reversemortgagedaily.com. I'm Chris Clow, and this has been a production of Aging Media Network in Chicago, Illinois. See you next time.